Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, the Major League Baseball regular season has come to a close. I sit here with you on a Sunday evening. We've disrupted our normal recording schedule like we're real podcasters or something. Like we're real members of the baseball media. Pretty soon, we're going to get that follow back from Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal. We're doing live reaction pods. We're doing instant reacts. How's it going? We don't need that. If 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 that's what it takes to to get that follow back from Ken Rosenthal, just leaning into the content churn. I don't want to react. You know, yeah. if Love and Ken is uh, wrong, uh, mm-hmm. we're gonna carry on with the podcast. <laughs> Um, I have a question for you to start this podcast, as per usual. Naturally. So, Game 163 did not come to four from any of the teams that were in the running to have to play Game 163. All fun was completely crushed for neutral observers. Happy for Yankees fans, I guess. I don't know why I said that. I'm happy for Red Sox fans, I guess. I also don't know why I'm saying that. Wow, canceled left and right. Happy for Giants fans? I'm No joy here. Game 163. Keep, keep digging. <laughs> not not happening. However, I had the question for you. Do you think that they had like a presenting sponsorship sold for Game 163 just in case it happened? Obviously, they sell a sponsorship for each round of the playoffs. The wild cards would be like, the here's this year's wild card presented by Doosan. Do you think that they had one for Game 163 or it was just more of like a continuation of the regular season? Do you think that Rob Manfred had like a a deal all mocked up, ready for the Giants to blow it on the last day of the season, so you, we could have Game One Sixty Three between the Dodgers and Giants presented by Halliburton? You didn't think you needed a cleanup at the end of the year, but here you are, Game One Sixty Three, presented by Tide. You know, <laughs> like made more of a I, mess than you were expecting to by blowing your late exactly. lead. <laughs> Bounty, the quicker picker-upper, will present you Game 163. <laughs> Accidentally rigged the lead league so that only half the teams are competitive? We've been there. <laughs> That's what, That was my question. So what do you think? Do you think that Rob had a plan for it? Or do you think he was just going to let that leave that money on the table? He's not known to be a guy who leaves money on the table very often. Right, I was just about to say, do we think that Major League Baseball, the corporation, was like, nah, we'll just play it by ear. When it came to sponsorships, <laughs> um, I'd like to I'd like to know from the listeners who they think would present Game One Sixty Three. Um, please tag us in, on Twitter about uh, who is the sponsor for the hypothetical Game One Sixty Three that never happened and why. Uh, we're going to quickly react to the final day of the regular season. Then we're going to do a very robust three up three down that will be most of the that will be most of this week's podcast uh, because we had a lot to talk about in the final week before the playoffs started. Uh, before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Basley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Mm-hmm. 
Alex, no game 163. I guess we have to preview the playoffs now, which kind of sucks. Um, we The dream scenario, I think I'll speak for both of us, the dream scenario was Yankees lose, Red Sox lose, Mariners win, Blue Jays win, four teams vying for two spots in the AL, Giants lose, Dodgers win, two teams vying for the NL West to see which team has to go play the Cardinals in the NL wildcard. Literally none of that happened. So here I speak to you with an AL wildcard nightmare scenario that you laid out a few weeks ago, Yankees-Red Sox, and an NL wildcard nightmare scenario that you came out weirdly in favor of two weeks ago, (laughs) Cardinals-Dodgers. You were at Yankee Stadium today. Tell me about the vibe. I was there. It was rocking. Mm. It sounded sounded live. It sounded live. Yeah, remarkably rocking for a game in which neither team scored until the bottom of the ninth inning. Yeah. And yet still a lot of fun, honestly. And I, I remarked this to the friend I was with on the way over that Yankee Stadium may not be the best physical stadium, like best ballpark. Yeah. But I do believe that it's one of the best places to be to see a ball game because of the fans, because they are so into it. As much as you and I may loathe, roast (laughs) Yankees fans, they know how to show out. Yeah, I agree. It's fun. It's fun to be there in the in the environment. It's also fun to be on the on the winning team there yeah. because I've seen many a many a game there where the my team wasn't on the winning side. Were you rooting for the Yankees? As much as one can. Who <laughs> <laughs> okay, doesn't good root for, you. for the Yankees? <laughs> Alex pivots to Cardinals and Yankee fandom on the podcast. Well, I didn't expect to end it this soon, but mm-hmm. we've had a nice run, my friend. Um, it's been you either you uh, either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, right? Yeah, is that how that you, works? You either die an A's fan or live long enough to see the A's <laughs> see leave Oakland a, and you become a Yankees fan. <laughs> oh, bleak stuff. Um, it was a very good game. I did watch it in full, as I did with all of the other games that had 163 and or wild card implication. Um, I very quickly turned off the Blue Jays-Orioles game because the Blue Jays absolutely hammered them into oblivion by the third inning, and it was clear that they were going to lose. Um, But it was all moot. The Yankees game specifically felt like there was so much anticipation leading up to this. They're playing the Rays. They're obviously rivals. They control their own destiny, but it was a real hurry-up-only-to-wait situation for eight innings, no runs, not many hits, not a lot of real scoring opportunities even. And then in the bottom of the ninth inning, a weird reason they pitched to Aaron Judge. To me, this was my I was reading um I was reading the tea leaves, the competitive tea leaves of Kevin Cash, the Rays manager, and I really thought they were like we doesn't matter if we lose this game, so we might as well just pitch to Aaron Judge because if Kittredge, who was pitching for the Rays at the time, strikes out Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton back to back to keep the Yankees out of the playoffs, it will just completely break the franchise and that's the Rays goal. <laughs> Wow. So does that mean we were both briefly on Kevin Cash slash by extension the Rays side? 
unwittingly? No, uh, no I was re- I was also I wanted the Yankees to get into um I'm officially in this is sad for our country, but this is great content. It's like this is sad for the values of our podcast, but this is great content. Mm-hmm. Um I need the Yankees to advance a little bit further for the sake of R2C2, just candidly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even feel like the Yankees are the like public enemy number one of the no. podcast anymore. No, they're not. Listeners will realize later in this podcast who public enemy number one is. And uh, spoiler alert, it's the team that the Yankees were playing. Okay, we've spent plenty of time talking about that game. Uh, I'm glad that you got to go see it and experience that raucous environment. Maybe we can send you to one of the playoff games as a boots on the ground reporter with the tipping Mm -hmm. pitches budget. If they make the World Series, you know, we can just drop $5,000 on one ticket for you to go by yourself. (laughs) That's baseball. (laughs) <laughs> one baseball by Robert Manfred. Yep. Mm-hmm. One baseball that we can all access. Um, so now that the playoff picture is set, I figure it's not really constructive for us and our listeners for, for us to break down every series or break down um, who we think the favorites are necessarily. But we might as well, before we go to that robust three up, three down that I hinted at earlier, which was a lot of fun, which we recorded earlier today. We came back to record this segment. Um I might I might as well get you on record about who you think is going to go to the World Series and win and also who you would prefer to go to the World Series and win. So why, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Predictions. All right. Well, earlier this week, we recorded a podcast episode with our friends over at Sports as a Weapon, which in, in which this question was posed to all of us. And I would feel somewhat... Uh, like a fraud if I was to change my answer in the 48 hours in that which small sample size <laughs> exactly. changed your opinion on who's like, going to win. Am, am I going to say actually the White Sox they're getting bumped first, you know? Yeah, even though that's definitely happening. I think it's not. I <laughs> well, now that you made that very compelling case, right? Yeah. Um, I have all the analytics behind me in that their team is very cool. Yeah, and, and, and really handsome and I like to look at them a lot sure. and so as a result I think that it's their duty to advance beyond the first round you know right I think it is going to be Dodgers or Astros <laughs> you have I, to pick a team I know I have to I know I have to pick a team I'm rooting for the I honestly I'm rooting for the White Sox okay I don't know how confident I am in them actually doing that, right? You said who we would like to see versus who we think will actually happen. Mm -hmm. I'd like to manifest the White Sox winning. I think there's a very good chance the Astros just come through. Yeah. Steamroll through the AL. Feels that way. It's unfortunate because do you want to know what the last thing in the world I want to see is? Dodgers-Astros rematch. Dodgers-Astros rematch. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you say that because that's my prediction uh, for what I think will happen. Even though I know that the Dodgers have more of an uphill battle uh, given that they're playing in the wild card. I mean, once you advance past that, it's back to a level playing field and I would choose the Dodgers to win that game against the Cardinals maybe seven times out of ten, maybe six times out of ten. So I might as well just assume that it's going to happen because that's as close as we can get in the baseball world to certainty. And that was basically the Dodgers winning percentage for this entire season. So um, every game going in, I was like, the Dodgers are going to win because they're by far the best team. 
So I think that it will be Dodgers, Astros. I'm a little less convinced about the Astros half of it. They're flying under the radar in terms of top to bottom lineup production. They are one of the best hitting teams in a long time, including the different iterations of the same Astros team. You know, like they are hitting as well as they ever have. I don't see compelling evidence from the White Sox because, you know, they've beat up on a lot of bad teams in the AL Central. They've had some fits and starts in terms of looking like a dominant team. I agree with you that they are very likable, though I don't think that I can fully get behind them because I don't really want to see Tony La Russa be validated. And I don't want to see that decision to hire him be validated. So uh, I'm picking Astros Dodgers to go to the World Series. Right, I think that the, the Astros are the ones who need to be validated in their strategy. I just don't think anybody would validate them if they won it. But I do think that people would valorize La Russa if they won mm-hmm. the World Series. It'd be like, they hired this Hall of Famer, and he's the one who dragged him over the top. He's the one who brought him to the top of the mountain. You know, there's all of that just waiting to happen. Um, What matchup do I want to see? I know what I don't want to see. I don't want to see the Rays get back to the World Series. I know. I was about to say, you know what's going to happen as we talk about a Dodgers-Astros rematch is the Giants and the Rays are going to get to the World Series. And that might be the end of the podcast. That's my absolutely bottom. That's my absolute bottom of the barrel right there. Right. Like, uh, Giants raise this absolute nightmare scenario, which is how we, you know we love that our it's Giants fans here on the podcast. We mm. really do. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. We love our Giants fans. Um, but I just, I, I can't <laughs> conspicuously haven't mentioned the, our Rays fans. <laughs> are, is there anybody who listens to this podcast who's a Rays fan? I actually think there are a couple call who have in, reached out to us. Um, call in and also call in. McHugh, who's been on this podcast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a literal Tampa Bay Ray. Um, no, I I think that I'm rooting for, in terms of likability matchup, I agree that the White Sox are the most likable team, but I don't want to see La Russa, so I guess Yankees? I guess Yankees to go on wow. the AL side? Yankees-Dodgers. What, what did I say? I'm just Die the TV hero. ratings guy. I'm just the TV ratings guy. I don't think that the even the spoiler in the NL side of the bracket being Cardinals or Brewers, I don't even think either of those teams are particularly likable, to be honest. No, I don't particularly like the Cardinals and I don't particularly care about the Brewers. <laughs> <laughs> even though you have come out in defense of the Cardinals. All right, exactly. so those those are our picks. Um, I, it's, it's a fool's errand to try to predict who will win the World Series this early on, um, on October 3rd. So... I won't make you do it. It's not what we really do here. Uh, I'm glad that we got together after we actually knew who was in the playoff picture. Uh, and I'm glad that baseball Twitter will absolutely eat itself like a wormhole during Red Sox-Yankees AL wildcard game. That's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be broadcast by one ESPN. So I look forward to the playoffs ending before they even started because the baseball universe swallows itself whole. Can I just say, real quick, before we kick to three up, three down, mm-hmm. I would like you, Bobby, and the listener to imagine a scenario in which the Philadelphia Phillies make the playoffs, the Cincinnati Reds make the playoffs, the San Diego Padres, of whom I think you and I both are, are fans, right? the Cleveland Indians. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Stuff. 
Did they really win 79? Wow, two more games than the Mets. Jesus. <laughs> this is the reality that Major League Baseball wants. This is, ladies and gentlemen, expanded playoffs. Yes, which has been a stated desire of the owners, which they put into effect last year, given that they had the authority to do so, and the players' union signed off on it. I think that that is an astute point that you are making, that that would really have watered today down. And it would have made, you know, the Mariners would be in, obviously, which would be cool. The Red Sox and Yankees would have been guaranteed to be in. The Blue Jays would be in. Um, All of those teams would have been guaranteed to get a spot. But I think that it would have really watered today down. And particularly for a team like the Mariners, who we haven't spent a ton of time talking about this year. Mm -hmm. We haven't even really given them their due in this here segment um, for how close that they got and how electric that building has been for the last week plus. Um, I just don't think that you want to make it in in an expanded playoff version where more than half of the teams are making it in. Now, would Mariners fans turn it down? No. Should they turn it down? No. But like, I think that it just takes the air out of the balloon in a way that then sort of, in a pernicious way, reinforces some of the anti-competitive behavior that we've seen from teams more and more over the last decade. It just makes trading away your closer at the deadline an even more defensible move. It makes all of these things, not running a payroll higher than $150 million, even more defensible because then you can just say, look, the record speaks for itself. We made it into the playoffs. And from that point, it was a crapshoot. And it's honestly hard to disarm that argument because it is kind of a crapshoot once you get to the playoffs. So if 16 teams are making it, then people like you and me almost can't even say anything to these GMs because they're giving themselves a shot. They're getting into the playoffs, but they're not giving themselves an earnest shot at actually beating the best teams in baseball once they get there. If it meant that the A's got into the playoffs, I would see what people were saying. But since that's not the case, frankly, I can't get behind it. It's these (laughs) greedy owners. Who just you're, want a little bit more. You're like a member of Congress who's like fielding different pitches from lobbyists. You're like, what's in it for me from this industry? Mm-hmm. Huh? Exactly. No, maybe I'll pass legislation for the other industry. <laughs> right. Spinning the wheel, constantly looking back at the audience, uh, <laughs> seeing what they think. How much pro-owner is too owner? It's too pro-owner. Um. All right. Well, there's not too much to be confused as pro-owner sentiment in this upcoming 3-Up, three 3-Down, three which we already recorded. Um and are going to go to in just a minute. But I wanted to shout out really quickly. You mentioned we're on Sports as a Weapon. That's going to be out later this week. Uh, I also appeared on a socialist podcast called Auxiliary Statements to do a special baseball focused episode. I believe That's that will right. I believe that will be out Tuesday or potentially Wednesday. So you know, if you want to hear us talking elsewhere, not just on our normal platforms with just each other, uh. Cue those episodes up in your podcast feed this week. Um, We'll obviously be resharing it on Twitter if you need uh, a more direct place to find it. So let's take a quick break and then we come back three up, three down. All right, Alex, it is now time for the final vaunted three up, three down of the 2021 regular season. Are you ready for this? I am ready for this. I think so. Although it didn't occur to me that this is the last one. So I feel like all my picks need to really be, uh, I don't know, popping off. Much like the Los Angeles Dodgers who were trying to chase down the San Francisco Giants over the last 
six months of the whole regular season <laughs> since the Giants have been leading that division for the whole year. Um, you got to bring it. You got to bring it if you want to keep pace. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start with up or down? Let's uh, let's start with up this week. I'm feeling good. I'm in a good mood. Okay. Okay. Why don't you kick us off then if you're in the good mood? <laughs> it's early for me. First up for me this week is a tweet. As much of our lists are are often composed of man just just tweets how do you think this show would play out if twitter didn't exist you think it would be worse is this the only (laughs) thing that twitter makes better (laughs) i think so it's twitter is against all odds a a crucial part of our preparation for this podcast that says more about how broken our brains are than it does about how effective twitter is in creating good podcasts i think so yeah uh, the, the this three up, three down brought to you by Jack Dorsey. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. <laughs> the Oakland A's were officially mathematically eliminated from postseason contention this past week. And that's not my up, obviously, because that brings me deep sadness. Um, but although you've expressed in the past how you don't like actually watching your own team in the playoffs because you feel bad because you just want all the guys to win. You just feel bad when any of the teams lose. It's true. It's also excruciating to watch oh my, God, it's my own team in in the playoffs. It's don't, just don't recommend it at all. You, Zero you out of think 10. you you think you want it and then you get there and you say no, no. The only time you should ever want your team to make the playoffs is when you think they're actually going to win the World Series because otherwise it's just pain. Exactly. <laughs> you might be familiar with the Twitter account Ump Scorecards which yeah. mm-hmm. For the for the uh, for the listener who's not aware, is essentially a Twitter account that I mean, it's kind of what it sounds like. It's a it's a scorecard, it's a report card on each umpire's performance accuracy uh, in a given game. The person who does this account does God's work, and I yeah. really don't know how. I mean, this must take an insane amount of work to do this for every umpire every single day. But there was one that that caught my eye this past week, and it it happened to catch one Chris Bassett's eye as well. In fact, the scorecard was the game that Chris Bassett pitched in. Mm. This umpire was Adam Hamari, who was absolutely next level in how good he was at calling balls and strikes. He had two missed calls the whole game. Chris Bassett quote tweeted this scorecard and said, honestly... This is absolutely absurd for how bad I was spraying the ball yesterday. Two missed calls all day is elite. Wow. What a role reversal. And I, yeah, I just got to say, I, I appreciate Chris Bassett coming out, doing the heel turn and saying, no, you know what? Credit where credit's due. And I think, I think we should see more of that. I've, you know, I, I have long thought that umpires do get a bit of a bad rap because you, you only really notice notice them when they're bad and when they're good you think well that's what they're supposed to do yeah but i i can respect a a pitcher recognizing that this is a person who holds their fate in their hands saying no you know what great job you did a great job today we could all use that positive reinforcement at work alex since you brought up umpires this is not in my three up three down i kind of forgot to write this down in my notes at all but this would not be an appropriate send-off to the 2021 season if we did not Mm. also give an appropriate send-off to a legend of the game 
a piece of history every day he took the field. One cowboy, Joe West, who is retiring after the 2021 baseball season and will not be invited to umpire any playoff games. (laughs) He is not. (laughs) Perhaps because of things like MLB scorecard, Joe West is not going to be invited to ump the 2021 playoffs, so he is going to ride off into the sunset having not qualified, missed a postseason berth. And I just have to say, I think he's officially become one of the characters of the game. I've now referenced two different titles off of the album Diamond Dreams, and I don't think you realized either one. (laughs) Nope, I don't think so. (laughs) Do you think that he's retiring so that he can have more time to record these spoken word country albums? Like, Do you think he's got another one coming down the pipeline? I do. I think that. Because this album, I don't know if it was created in 2020, but it was posted to Spotify in 2020. So that leads me to believe. And the copyright is 2020 Kent Goodson Music. So that leads me to believe that he was, you know, he was starting to see greener pastures. He was starting to to imagine himself in a post-umpiring career. Right. They say that once you start not loving the grind, that's when you should retire. And it sounds like he didn't love the grind anymore. Right. Was that so is it fair to say that maybe that was uh that's like Joe West's reputation? Like he needed to work through some stuff creatively. Yeah. In order to in order to get to a uh, more elevated point in his artistic career, he he really needed to, um, you know, it was going to be divisive. Obviously, it wasn't going to be for everyone, but there was going to be a lot of creative ideas bouncing around there. This and, is Joe uh, West's he's gonna reputation. Come out on the other side, better for. But it. he doesn't have a Taylor Swift 1989 red. No, there's no other <laughs> albums. <laughs> so I'm waiting. I'm waiting on his his folklore and his evermore. This is honestly closer to his folklore, though, because he's just like low, even keel, whole spoken word album. Doesn't Mm -hmm. get too hype, doesn't get too up, doesn't get too down. Has some real true emotions in this album. Nobody knows what we're talking about unless they listen to the episode where we've discovered Joe West's spoken word country album. Right. With with titles such as A Thank You to Our Military and The Men in Blue (laughs) song tracks. Does that make his umpiring career just his reputation, you know? Okay, should I actually do my first up now? I think you should, yeah. My first up this week is a follow-up to a story that we've been talking about for two or three weeks now, which is the uh, hashtag fairball wristbands that have been worn by minor leaguers um, in the Phillies and Mets organization as protest of unfair minor league working conditions. Um, just wanted to throw it on my up this week because a couple more major leaguers wore them during games. Jason Hayward was seen wearing one and so was Jose Ramirez. These are high profile MLB stars. And then just today, as we record this on Sunday, Skip Schumacher, who is a coach with the San Diego Padres, former MLB player, uh, he was seen wearing one in the dugout on the final day of the regular season. So certainly seems to be coming a bit of a certainly seems to be becoming a bit of a thing, Alex. A protest that is catching on within baseball's ranks. It's picking up steam. It almost makes you think that perhaps there's an obvious right and wrong in this debate. <laughs> well, we're going to have to hear both sides, right? We haven't heard right. from MLB on why the, the players should be paid the sub-minimum wage. No, you're right. Actually... 
There are several Supreme Court briefings about why they think that. But you're right. I think that we should let them speak their truth in a safe space here on this podcast. They come on the show and they open the books and they explain to us why they can't afford to pay minor leaguers more. Do you yeah. you support that endeavor? I do. What if we have we could do like a round table, you know, like yeah. a, so, so a debate, you me, a primary debate. Rob Manfred. Who else? Which owner? I like Jim Crane. We could get him on. Jim Crane's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He actually built housing for his minor leaguers. So maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe he would, by the end, decide with us. What do you think? Yeah. Maybe the Ricketts. We get the Ricketts Ooh, up in here. Good one. All of them. We just say the Ricketts. Which one Which one actually runs the team now? Is it Ted? Ted Ricketts? I thought it was Tom. Tom? Who's Ted? I, thought, I think Ted's the... You know why I confused it with Ted? Why? Because he looks like Ted Cruz. That was mm. actually the association my brain was making. Yes, spitting image. Oh, the the other guy that I was thinking of, his brother is Todd. <laughs> okay. His other brother is Pete, <laughs> and the sister is Laura. I think collectively they run the team, but I think that Tom is the control person. You know, how there has to be a control person for right. each. I mean, he's team. he's the one who actually shows up at uh at. Public events. Wearing Cubs quarter zips. Right, exactly. Pouring cold water on children's heads. Yeah. <laughs> Personally evicting people surrounding the, the area of Wrigley Field. He just brings around scotch tape, sticking on eviction notices on any door that he sees that looks kind of like someone might need to get out of there. It's a hobby, you right. know? And look, everybody needs hobbies. It's been a hard 18 months. <laughs> That's my up this week. Uh, you're up next. All right. Next up for me, the congressional baseball game was this yes. past week. Yes. Time to talk and, about Ossoff at the hot corner. Uh, right? Let's see. How had Pelosi do out there? Unfortunately, she, she was on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, As per usual. <laughs> not, not contributing Ding. to winning in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Just letting the rest of them fight. Um, <laughs> I actually don't. I don't care about the congressional baseball game. Um, if who you won? Do, if you do, more power, more power to you. Who won? What? Uh, the so it was a high scoring affair. Barn burner. Yeah, the Republicans won thirteen to twelve. The Democrats yes. took an early two zero lead, but I suppose it makes sense that Democrats holding a lead has never really been their strong suit. Was this game gerrymandered, or did they actually play it with the same amount of players on the field? Well, they <laughs> it was only seven innings, so it wow. does seem like maybe Rob Manfred had a hand in that. I'm not, I, I couldn't be sure. But the reason I bring this up is because our beloved friends over at Five Thirty Eight, who never miss an opportunity, I mean, you to, consider Nate Silver like the godfather of why you got into media, right? I do. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. he's my primary understanding of uh, of politics, <laughs> right? And how anything's possible. Uh, the the intrepid reporters over at Five Thirty Eight uh, took this opportunity to reach out to each of the Congress people who are who made up the Democratic and Republican teams to ask them about actual issues in baseball, actual conversations that you and I talk about here. Wow. Cool. This <laughs> is cool. A, a um, a, a decent amount of them responded. It was nineteen overall. 
I just got to say, first off, I'm pretty sure we're in the midst of trying to avoid a government shutdown and pass a $3.5 trillion bill. So I respect that these uh, Congress people said, no, I got time for this. I have time to talk about the universal DH Wow, and seven inning double headers. They didn't even ask them about like serious issues. They asked them about like rule changes. It was rule changes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll run through some of the answers real quick. Most of them are relatively uninteresting. Yeah. But there was a, there was a, there was one brief quote that caught my eye. Ilhan Omar is like 60 feet, six inches is what it has to be. That's what it's been and that what it will continue to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, not surprisingly, a good amount of them uh, were resistant to a lot of the rule changes that have been implemented. I, I didn't go through and look through every respondent, but of the ones quoted, I think it was a majority just, you know, of older white men. Yeah. Which I think about tracks. Sort of a skewed sample. 68% opposed the universal DH. Um, I think we should primary all of those people. Uh, on the contrary. <laughs> on, on the contrary. Who are those people? I might throw a couple what? dollars their way. Mm, mm-hmm. I definitely feel good about blindly uh, pledging my support to 68% of people who support the universal DH in Congress. Open up Act Blue and Win Red, right? You know, we're equal opportunity givers over here. A uh, majority dislike seven inning double headers. Um, uh, a majority don't like extra innings with the runner on second base. These are all pretty, pretty standard things. And a a vast majority, eighty nine percent, said no to robot umpires because they want to keep the jobs. Right. Exactly. All these people are job creators. Well, and these are the, you know, this is backing the blue of baseball. Right. What What's Bi- next? Are we going replace, to replace cops with robots? NYPD? How's that robot dog working out? <laughs> uh, the quote that caught my eye was from one Democratic representative, Tom Malinowski, mm-hmm. whose name I didn't know before reading this article. Right. So many Congress people. It's like 450 of them. So many. Literally. More than baseball players. His quote in arguing against the introduction of robot umpires into the game is maybe one of the more salient ones I've heard. Even though I think it's a little pernicious, I, I think it's also one that will, uh, will resonate with people. Okay. And his response is that you can't kick dirt on a balls and strikes machine. <laughs> if there's no umpire there with... Who are you going to argue with? Yeah. Who are you going to show up when a call doesn't go your way? You know, when you're frustrated at yourself for taking a pitch on the outside corner that you maybe shouldn't have, you got to have someone to project that anger onto. Otherwise, what are you just going to do? Go back to the dugout? I know. The Yankees who take more close pitches than any team in baseball and whine about it more than any other team in baseball Mm -hmm. by a matter of 10. They need human umpires because they need someone to divert the blame to exactly because otherwise it's just gonna be what are you gonna yell into the void and the void is just gonna echo right back to you because the void happens to be a robot i mean i love the idea that we need those humans there uh just so we can shit on them a little bit you know it's almost like it's almost like we can't automate uh wage workers I just because say. <laughs> i need to yell at someone when Waiters. my mcdonald's order is wrong <laughs> 
That's tougher, though. That's tougher. Yeah. Right. McDonald's workers, way less power in the equation than Joe West. So true. This is, a, this is coming from the same man, though, who at the outset of this interview said, I'm a politics liberal, but a baseball conservative. Yeah. So, <laughs> Tim Anderson, no. I mean, they asked him about bat flips as well, which, uh, which 12 out of 19 of the respondents approved of. There were some people, some liberals, who said, you know what? You got to act like you've been there before. Yeah. Someone has to be the Joe Manchin of baseball. So, so true. We're not talking enough about this. No one's filling that void. Um, wow. This was enlightening. Thank you for doing the research here, reading this 538 article. I mean, yeah, reading the article. Shouts out to Nathaniel Rakich and the research team over at 538 for, uh, for bringing this to our attention. This is, this is true. I'm a single voter issue now, and it's on whether or not my representative supports the universal DH. <laughs> okay, my next up this week is Fernando Tatis Jr. hit a baseball out of Dodger Stadium, Alex. He hit it out of the whole stadium in left field. This has only been done by five other people, according to research displayed on the broadcast of the San Diego Padres on Valley Sports. Um, Willie Stargell did it twice <laughs> in 1969 and 1973. Uh, Mike Piazza. They have the projected distances for these, and it's just mind-blowing. Mike Piazza, Mark McGuire, Giancarlo Stanton did it in 2015. You might remember. We have high def of that one. Um, Stargell's longest one was projected to go 506 feet. I don't even know how you, how you project that. It was 1969. Did the dude just like run out there and grab where it landed? <laughs> did it leave like a divot in the ground? I don't really know. They Either way, spectators, they said, where do you, where do you think that landed? And yeah. And measured from there. Yeah. <laughs> this is 1969, not 1869. <laughs> but they did have TV. Um, Tatis's went projected by StatCast, a very much more reliable projection system. 467 feet. It bounced off the roof over the bleachers in left field, which is. That's a shot, bro. That's a he put a jolt into that one, as we say in the business. And this is not actually out of Dodger Stadium. There are concessions and stuff behind there. So there are people back there who were like, "Why is a baseball coming over here? Did somebody throw it at us?" Right. Nope. I'm over here to avoid any potential interaction with yeah. the baseball game. Yeah. Um, man, I wish I was there to see that because apparently the crowd reaction was just like. How did this guy do this? And they don't like Tatis. Dodgers fans, let me tell you, he's a villain to them. Yeah. Because not only has he played really well against them, not only is he on an ostensible future rival, even though that rivalry didn't actually turn out to be much in 2021 because the Dodgers are too good and the Padres collapsed. He's like taken a little bit of shine away from the Dodgers. You know, I think that a lot of people... When they thought about the NL West, they thought about all the incredible talent stacking the Dodgers roster. And then Tatis came in there and he threw a complete wrinkle in there. And he's like, you know, the best show in baseball, more or less, give or take an Otani or a Vlad Guerrero. And I think Dodgers fans resent that. Just in my experience from having worn a Fernando Tatis Jr. jersey to a Dodger Stadium, to Dodger Stadium, um, you you get your fair share of booze 
I was in the bathroom once wearing my Tatis jersey and someone walked in with a, two of his friends and he turned to his two friends and he said, oh, we got a Tatis Jr. jersey in here? <laughs> in the bathroom? I was like, yeah, man, Padres fans got a P2. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. <laughs> like, my man's wants segregated bathrooms <laughs> for d- different baseball fandoms. Yeah, I don't really know what he was advocating for. That's his single issue voter topic. Um, <laughs> But that's an absolute incredible highlight. If you haven't seen it, I really encourage you to go watch it because it just, it looks like reality bends for a little bit. Fortunately, it doesn't break and the world doesn't end, but it does bend when he hits this. Uh, Padres shortstop Hassan Kim told reporters, it was a monster home run. This is my 42nd time seeing it, but it still amazes me every time. And frankly, huge same. Every single time that man puts one out of the park, I just I have to stop what I'm doing and and admire for a second. What is your last up this week? My last up this week is a follow-up on something that we have been discussing over the last few weeks regarding the concession workers at Oracle Park, who this past week averted a strike by reaching a deal uh, with the giant subcontractor for food services, Bon Appetit, um, they reached a tentative deal that would afford them a raise and better health care. This is also my third up. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reading from the reporting from Alex Schultz over at SF Gate, who's been following this closely. And uh, this is a win. This is a huge win. It, uh, dis- it's a display of what actual labor solidarity and labor power or recognition of, you know, your power as a worker. It's, it's what that actually looks like in action. Um, the deal will guarantee workers a retroactive $3 an hour raise, um, $1.50 an hour in hazard pay and significant improvements to their healthcare and pension plans. So largely a win on most of the things that they were looking for yeah um some workers will get up to a seven dollar an hour raise according to the unite here local Two twitter account um the covid safety measures were drastically improved that was the first thing that they came to an agreement on because that was the most pressing issue as to why they felt the need to vote yes on the strike so that it could be authorized if it needed to be used because i think up to 20 workers or something like 18 workers had tested positive for COVID because of the relaxed COVID restrictions in Oracle Park um, and because mostly because fans not wearing masks. And, you know, you and I were at Oracle Park like two weeks after this and the mask usage was better than I was expecting it to be. I think in large part because of this, like the you can actually affect change. They were announcing it more over the loudspeakers. There were more signs everywhere and um, I think that fans were taking it more seriously because of that. It's, it's only natural that if you continually remind people and you say, hey, we're going to have to kick you out of this game or you're not going to be able to purchase this item if you don't wear your mask properly, these are necessary reminders in order to protect workers. This um, contract was ratified 99.8% voted yes on it. So that's that's amazing. I mean, that's what solidarity in action looks like. Yeah. I I don't have much more to add to this. This is a rare win in the labor landscape. So, but I'm I'm looking forward hopefully to 
to more of these in the coming months and and years. Yes, here's hoping that they become less rare. I'm waiting for the biggest win of all, which is, well, actually the biggest win of all is when Amazon votes yes on the union, but this is a baseball podcast. So the biggest win of all is when minor leaguers finally vote yes on their union. Um, Should we go to down? Can I kick it off this week? Please, by all means. We just spent a bit talking about the San Diego Padres um, young shortstop superstar Fernando Tatis Jr. I'd like to talk about the person who stands about 15 feet to the right of him when he actually plays shortstop, when Tatis plays shortstop, and that is third baseman Manny Machado, who you will remember, Alex, was one of the most coveted free agents of our lifetime just two seasons ago. And the slow offseason, the uh, concoction of teams not wanting to spend a lot of money, and Manny Machado being obviously good enough to get a lot of money and willing to wait for it, meant that he, his free agency drug all the way through January, I think Perhaps he signed in January, maybe early February, for 10 years, $300 million with the San Diego Padres. This was universally lauded as a great signing because Manny Machado is phenomenal. He is one of the best third basemen in MLB history through every age season that he has played through. Now, nobody thinks that he is going to retire as the greatest third baseman in MLB history, but he certainly has shown that he is worth every penny of that contract. And more, considering how much he did not get paid with the Orioles, considering how well he's played for the Padres on the field, how much he's done relationship-wise with Tatis off the field. Those guys got in a fight about three weeks ago, but I really think that that's the kind of thing that you do with someone who you have a close relationship with and you're experiencing frustrating times with. You argue, you get over it, you'll be fine. This was a very long preamble to say that my down this week is I saw a lot of people being like, time to trade Machado. Everything is blowing up time to trade Machado. Now, perhaps some of those people were um, not acting in earnest because they were maybe Mets fans who were hoping that they would trade Machado to the Mets. (laughs) (laughs) But it is the latest installment in a trend, which is celebrate the contract when it's signed because you brought the star in and then Two years later, forget about how big of an achievement it was to bring the star in because you're looking at numbers on a balance sheet. It's not sensible. It doesn't hold up to logic. It doesn't hold up to scrutiny. He is still one of the best third basemen in the league. He's still worth every penny of that contract. And if you're panicking now about payroll, there are other places to look like Eric Hosmer. I mean, I know that they are, they are also trying to unload him and nobody wants him. So the thinking is, we'll trade Manny Machado because we could actually get a team to take him and we would actually get something back in return. I don't actually think the Padres are thinking any of this, but that's what fans seem to be thinking when they float these theories. But like the whole point of paying money is so that you can have good players. So don't get rid of the good players who you're paying money to. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense. All of the worst moves that we've seen in the last five years have been teams just wanted to salary them. Why did Cleveland trade Lindor? Why did the Rockies trade Arenado. Why, you know, you can go on and on and on and on. And it's just like, when are we going to learn as fans collectively? It's not your money. If you like the player and you like watching him, his contract is not a burden to you because you don't have to pay it. You don't have to come up with that money. So truly, I cannot say in strong enough terms, just let it go. It's not your money. 
enjoy watching Manny Machado because he is a delight to watch. Even if he got paid $60 million a year because it still wouldn't be your money. Well, this kind of perfectly ties into my first down this week as we as we reach the end of the regular season as the the Padres in an epic nosedive since the beginning of August at their at their height, right? They've had the effectively the worst record in baseball since then, I believe, since like August 10th. Meanwhile, the Rays are sprinting ahead in the AL East with the what I believe is their winningest team in in their history. And I know that we've talked about this before, but I am positive that we are heading towards a cycle of discussions around how spending isn't worth it. Because look at how the Padres turned out. They poured all this money into that team and they couldn't make it work when the Rays, who were just you know scrappy old teams scraping by on pennies, were able to put together a playoff juggernaut. I'm already seeing stuff like this being being written about how well you know you gotta you can't hate on the Rays. You gotta hand it to them. They know what they're doing. No one ever said they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, they know exactly what they're doing too well. And and they're and they're good at it. I'm. I think you and I would our our beef with the Rays is not that we think that people give them too much credit, right? Or at least my that's not my beef with the Rays. I think we could maybe tone it down a little bit. They're not. I don't think they deserve more credit than any other successful baseball team. But the Rays, very good, very good scouting department, very good development department. My beef with them is that they're often used as the as exhibit A on why you don't need to actually pay players to to win, to find success. Which once again, as you just mentioned so eloquently, it's not your money. <laughs> doesn't matter. It really it really doesn't matter. The Padres can be very good at what they do and have completely fallen apart this season just as much as the Rays can be very good at what they do, despite not playing, not paying their their players commensurate salaries. My beef with the Rays is on multiple levels. I'd love <laughs> to break it down for you as quickly yes. as I can, so we don't waste too much time here. I I will never insinuate that they are not better at player development than basically every other team, not named the Dodgers. I will never insinuate that they are not better at player scouting than every team, including the Dodgers. I think that is sort of a catch-22 to talk about those two things because the fact that they are better at those things is the reason I think that they get too much credit. <laughs> you know, what? It's, it's hard to explain. They get so much credit and they get so much praise from national writers like Passan, Rosenthal, whoever. It's, it's, I don't, it's not even worth singling out those two guys, but I did it anyway because those are the, the biggest reporters in baseball and they frequently praise the Rays. But every national writer does it. Every single person, including a lot of our faves, including a lot of the quant people, the analytical people, the people who have worked at Fangraphs or who currently work at Fangraphs, they rightfully praise the Rays for being the best at those two things because those two things are very hard to be good at. What's easier to be good at in terms of achievability but harder to convince your organization to do? Spend more money. and. 
I think that they have the Rays by being so good at those two other things and getting so close on the back of just those two things. They have proven that they they deserve more criticism than any other team in the league because they've squandered more opportunities to win more titles. If you have the best front office and you have the best player development and you don't win a World Series, you deserve even more criticism than the teams that don't have those two things and can't figure out how to get them. Like if the only thing holding you back from winning a World Series is spending more to get players that you consider that are slightly out of your budget, but that you probably know are better. Like, do you think if you got Eric Neander on this pod right now and you asked him who's a better third baseman, Manny Machado or Yandy Diaz, do you think he would say Yandy Diaz? No, he would say Yandy Diaz costs a fraction of what Manny Machado costs. And it's that type of stuff that makes me want to criticize the Rays even more. Because of course they have enough money to spend a little bit more. Of course they do. Of course they do. But it's their principle to not do that. And they've fallen short because of it. And if they win the World Series this year, maybe I will reassess this specific strain of criticism. But I just saw them get to the World Series last year against their foil, the team who is almost as good at player to who is just as good at player development and almost as good at player scouting and also happens to spend three times as much as they do, and they got beat. They just got outplayed by the Dodgers. So, sorry, until I see it work, it doesn't work. (laughs) Until I see (laughs) Billy Bean win a World Series, guess what? Moneyball is just a way to save money. It's not actually a way to compete. I like saving money, though. It'll trickle down to me eventually, the fan. Free tickets? Oh, wait, no, wait. They're increasing season tickets by 40%, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that money saved so that they could charge you more money. <laughs> yeah. Almost like there's no correlation there. Um, Where did the okay. money go? <laughs> what, is, what, is, uh, what is next down for you? Uh, next down for me, I'll, this is a quick one. The, the Washington Nationals mm-hmm. hosted, <laughs> and I'm reading from a Dan Steinberg tweet, who is a who works for the Washington Post. He's a digital sports editor over there. He says, big game tonight. The Nats will host the inaugural DEA night with a pregame ceremony with students from Operation Engage, a comprehensive program that targets the top drug threat identified by the local DEA while continuing to focus on drug trafficking, violence, and crime. DEA night, Alex. You know, the DEA. Beyond reproach. Worthy of celebration. Definitely has had not had a negative effect on every metropolitan area in the United States, including D.C., <laughs> especially D.C. What was the impetus behind this? I don't know. Such an unforced error by the Nats. I mean, would they, did the DEA just give them some money to do this? Or like they were like, email? you know what, we need, we need, a, we need a, an improvement of our, uh, our brand identity. So you know what we should do is get the Washington Nationals to host an appreciation night for us. I, I just I can't I can't rationalize it. It's hard to even make jokes about. It's just so out of the blue. Usually nights like this are on the schedule at the beginning of the year and people talk about it, but this one I guess just fell under the radar, whether that was because it was a late edition or whether it was just because the nationals are so bad that no one was paying attention to the schedule that closely. Um but I mean in the year twenty twenty one, it one calendar year after you've put so much effort allegedly put so much effort into reforming your organization, not the Nats, but Major League Baseball as a whole, into understanding how race plays into our society 
in the 21st century and the different ways that law enforcement enforce this racist system to then also just be like, DEA night, the DEA has done so much good for this community. Completely unexamined behavior, Alex. Completely unexamined. If there's one thing I think Major League Baseball has engaged in good faith with, it's the presence of racism in this country. (laughs) I really took their word for it last summer. And this is shocking to me. Truly shocking. You're... I can see the shock roll shock waves rolling across your face. <laughs> um okay, what is what is your next down? Next down is another brand whose public image is in need of a bit of a revamp. That's one New York Metropolitans who who have hired a PR group to retool the team's image. To, uh, to boost engagement with younger, more diverse fan bases at the intersection of pop culture and digital technologies. Because the problem with the Mets is that their commercials aren't good enough. Yeah, I mean, is that th- they need to do better on social media. The t- I think TikTok that number it, is not, not up enough these, right, this quarter. Yeah. Mm hmm. Sandy Alderson said, we have an enormous opportunity in front of us. I love that they tried out Sandy Alderson to talk about literally everything under the sun that he doesn't know about. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're just like, would it's you both- like to go on national television and make an ass out of yourself again? And he's like, yes, sir. May I have another? Yeah. Uh, we have an opportunity to both excite existing fans and entice new ones with, with the additional expertise and resources of range, forefront, and base design, the PR firms, as we make the New York Mets one of the most iconic teams in all of sport. New York Mets already pretty storied history. Yeah. Pretty iconic New York team. It's not like the um, Mets struggle to have fans. It's that the fans are being shit on all the time. Maybe the problem isn't the public's perception of you. Maybe it's the stuff you're actually doing. Yes, yes. This is a very good point. This is what I was going to say. This is such a modern capitalism story. Don't actually change the action. Just spend all of your money on PR yeah. so that people don't, spinning it. don't think that the action was that bad anymore. Because it's way harder to unroot everything that caused the action to begin with. So you can just blow all of this money on PR consulting firms. Which is ba- consulting for just like legal money laundering, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's a whole yeah. different podcast, but maybe we can talk about that at some point in the future. You just spend all that money so you don't have to pay it in taxes. You just give it to a PR company. Yeah, the Mets, which have had no shortage of uh, PR slip-ups, to put it lightly, over the last couple years. Um, I, you know, and I recall when Steve Cohen purchased the team, there was a lot of discussion about how. He really wanted to remake the organization's culture. Yeah. Right. It was, you know, they were going to do this overhaul. They were going to get rid of um, the the people from the Wilpons era. And, you know, you're going to start new. This signals to me like uh, maybe that maybe that's not going so well, no. that journey. No. So you need uh, you need someone to to throw some roses on there. I saw a tweet going around this this past week from Ken Rosenthal that said, um, one one thing that may really entice 
uh, prospective general managers to want to come to the Mets is that oh, yeah. they have you know two, they have two, fir- two first round picks because they didn't sign Kumar Rocker and they have another potential couple potential um, compensation picks after if, the second or round if, if yeah. Syndergaard and, uh, Conforto. and Conforto don't sign their qualifying offers to which I say the thing that is going to entice or push away potential candidates for these roles has absolutely nothing to do with the number of draft picks they get. I, that is not a that's not a calculus that most people are are making. If they want to actually attract good general managers, they would signal that they have a a positive culture. Yeah. No, you're right. I I thought you were going to say you saw that tweet going around and you were like, why is Steve Cohen wasting all this money on PR when Ken Rosenthal's just doing it for him for free? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Top rope. All right. Last I, one of the regular season. Got to get them all in. Can I do my last down? Yes, you can. So I went to a Dodgers game last night. It was my final baseball game of the 2021 season. Though I am considering if the Dodgers make it to the World Series. I've never been to a World Series before. I don't know if my heart could take it if the Mets actually made the World Series. So I'll just go to a neutral World Series. Um, we'll see if I you know, have to sell a kidney to make it to Dodger Stadium for a World Series game. But mm. anyway, I went to Dodger Stadium last night. Uh, had a lovely time. It was a beautiful night. Dodgers played very well. But the down for me this week was that California is requiring later, later in October, California will require all stadiums, sports stadiums to require proof of vaccination or a negative test within 72 hours prior to the game in order to enter a game, I think starting midway through October. So this will affect the Dodgers. Should they make it to the playoffs? Should they make it that far? So over the PA system, they came, they announced that in about like the fifth or sixth inning and a man, two rows behind me, maybe about 15 seats to the left. He stood up and he just booed. He just booed the vaccination requirement. He was like, I'm out, I'm out here at this game and I'm going to publicly boo a vaccination requirement with all these I'm other going pe- to, with all these other I'm people going to around stand me. Up, yeah, I'm going to stand up and spray my uh my my body's water droplets. My distaste. My breath all over. My physical distaste for this vaccination requirement and it was just it was very unsettling to be honest. It was like, oh, not everybody did their due diligence before coming to this Dodgers game. There's a guy who didn't and I mm-hmm. bet there are a lot more of them. I, I, I post about this on Twitter and um, a couple other people said that they had a similar experience with, with announcements about vaccination requirements, at sporting events, Dodgers, Dodger Stadium, elsewhere, etc. And it just, it just upsets me. You know, Dodgers fans frequently standing up to do things that I don't like, like booing vaccination requirements, the wave. Disliking Fernando Tatis Jr. Disliking Fernando Tatis Jr. Come on, Dodgers fans. Come on. This is not a Dodgers problem, obviously. This is a human problem. (laughs) Uh, That is my final down this week. Did you do all three of yours? No. I still have one more. Okay. Close it out. And frankly, it's irrelevant at this point by the time this, this episode drops, which we are obviously recording this on Sunday, the final day of regular season baseball. This is about a game between the Red Sox and the Yankees this past week. Okay. Both of them put on the 
maybe the worst inning of baseball <laughs> I've seen um, ever. It was pretty incredible. I It was actually a joy to watch as someone who didn't have a vested interest in the team because I kind of wanted... I think the A's had not been eliminated yet at this point, so I was rooting for them both to lose, and boy, were they both trying their best. Uh, in the bottom of the seventh, the Yankees were trying to hold on when all of a sudden, DJ LeMahieu and Joey Gallo dropped two cans of corn, two easy pop flies in the same at-bat when Kyle Schwarber got got three lives, and and took advantage. Uh, LeMahieu had an opportunity to catch a pop-up in foul territory that was right by third base. Then Schwarber lifted one to center, which Gallo glided in to drop, which allowed the Red Sox to, uh, to ultimately take the lead. The Red Sox very clearly felt, felt bad about that because they returned the favor the very next half inning in the top of the eighth. Kickstarted by one uh, one Tyler Wade on the Yankees who uh, stole second and decided not to slide because why would you slide in <laughs> stealing um, and was tagged out by about three feet on a play that he most likely would have been safe on if he had slid. So uh, so the Yankees gave him a little bit and then the Red Sox said, you know what, you guys you guys dropped some balls. We're gonna drop some right back. Aaron Judge hits a pop up to third baseman Bobby Dahlbeck who, as you may be able to guess now, proceeds to drop it, then swings at a foul tip for strike three. Oh, yeah. Which which Christian, Va- Christian Vasquez drops on the transfer, and they just say he didn't catch it, which is just a whole other thing. Yeah. I don't really... We're at the end of this podcast. It's been a long one. I don't want to go into, like, reviewable plays and not, but everyone watching this game said, wow, they got that call wrong. The the Yankees really got away with one there because he should have been out. Judge should have been out. He catches the ball. Vasquez catches the ball, moves the glove to his bare hand, and again, like I said, drops it on the transfer. Joe West was doing his best to impact as much baseball as he could in in the little time he had left by saying, no, Vasquez, that's you just didn't catch the foul tip, which I respect. Yeah, last poor one, poor one final terrible call out for Joe West. Of course, Aaron Judge, back on his third chance, hits the, the go-ahead double, which would ultimately win the Yankees the game. It was really enjoyable, frankly, to watch them both struggle. I was watching this with a, a Yankee fan, and I think it was probably less enjoyable for him. But this is the kind of energy I'm hoping to see from these teams in the playoffs. So, so what is the down? Just that they're bad at baseball? Yeah, I don't know. I, this, I guess this was a fourth up yeah. for me. Um, <laughs> it's supposed to be things that either spark joy or take joy away. And it sounds like this sparked joy, despite the fact that they suck at baseball. Right, exactly. I guess the down is that fundamentals, Alex. Those good fundies weren't there. They're being left out of the game. These kids these days, they don't respect fundamentals. Um, that game was an absolute tire fire. Um, speaking of things these kids these days don't respect, um, our listeners' time, Alex. We've gone quite long here on 3 Up, 3 Down. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. <laughs> uh, if you have a team 
that has definitely made the playoffs by now at time of recording. Um, if you have a team that you're rooting for in the playoffs, best of luck to you. If you want to talk about your anxieties about them, your assuredness that they are definitely going to win the 2021 World Series, uh, you can drop us a line at tippingpitchespod at gmail.com, tipping underscore pitches on Twitter. You can call into our voicemail if you feel the need to express it verbally. That will be more cathartic for you. 785-422-5881. If you want to buy some Tipping Pitches merch to wear in October, if anybody gets on national TV on a Fox broadcast wearing any Tipping Pitches merch, that person will be invited onto the podcast to discuss the experience. So do something that's going to get you on the broadcast is my advice. <laughs> um, legal, legal and safe things that will get you on the broadcast. Um, that's pretty much it. Alex, anything, any sage words of wisdom for our listeners as we head into October my heart goes out to all of the all of the fans whose teams are playing good luck most of you will end up very sad <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry for the harsh reality oh um, man uh, uh, yeah I don't know go Blue Jays true go White Sox go Mar- go uh, Mar- Mariners Two of those teams are probably not in it, but that's okay. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to everybody next Monday. If you will rather don't see me, I'm going to be with my baby. I am free. Flying in her arms over the sea. Everybody, uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya.